0: Welcome to Funded by Source, a new conversation about expanded consciousness, creativity, ritual and entrepreneurship in the digital age. Funded by Source is here to remind you what you already know deep within. We are here to weave a new story of abundance, one that's beyond logic, spreadsheets and hashtags. My intention is to activate ripples of courage for you to share your own voice and medicine with the world trusting that when you follow the whispers, you are fully funded by source. In the world of outsourcing, we will explore the things that you can only insource, revealing the unique path that you came here to walk, creating your own definition of success. I am your host, Xenia, an award-nominated storyteller, guide, and creator of the Conscious Social Media Method. I am here to hold space of curiosity, play, Courageous communication and unwavering trust as we dive between the physical, the digital, and the unseen realms. Before we start, I have one question for you. Are you open to miracles? My guest today is Lopa Vandermersch. You may remember Lopa from episode 46. She is many things, a serial entrepreneur, mother of two, sustainability freak, TEDx speaker, recovering cult member. She shared all about it on episode 46, and her adventures have taken her all around the world in search of health, spiritual fulfillment, and boundless energy. In 2018, she started RASA, the adaptogenic coffee alternatives revolutionizing people's relationship to their energy. They have over 100,000 customers, and the company growth has been nothing short of incredible. This is going to be a super insightful conversation covering entrepreneurship, business being its own being, and how we can allow it to be the fullest expression of what it wants to be, stepping out of the way and being the vessels that we are meant to be. We talk about the Indian martial art gallery that Lopa does daily and introduced me to, and it's been changing my life as well. We discuss being resourced, practicing presence. Lopa shares her specific tools to being present in her body as she runs her business. We talk about being transparent as a business owner, plant medicine, lessons from being off social media for two months, and the totally new and radical approach to funding and community building that Lopa is preparing to take with her business, Rasa. Probably by the end of this episode, you will be craving a cup of Rasa. I was drinking a cup of the Rasa Chill Tonic, also known as Calm, and it's a caffeine-free, delicious beverage that you brew like you would brew herbs or coffee in a French press. And it has roasted date seed, chicory, fig, burdock, cacao, some herbs that I can't pronounce, hashewoo, vanilla, ashwagandha, cinnamon, blue lotus, which I love pairing with cacao, and reishi mushroom extract. And it gave me this smooth, settled, Energy without any crazy bursts that kept me focused and clear for the duration of this interview. It comes in compostable packaging. I love Rasa, and I know you're going to fall in love with it too after listening to this interview. And if you decide to order Rasa, you can do so on wearasa.com, dot acom And use code funded by Source that will give you 15% off your order. They have versions of Rasa with caffeine, without caffeine, with and without cacao for all kinds of purposes with incredible adaptogenic herb benefits. And this is one of the brands that I have been sharing about since the very beginning that I trust the integrity of through and through, and whether you're looking to reduce the amount of coffee you are intaking or just upgrade your coffee by mixing it 50-50 with Rasa, that's also an incredible way to incorporate these powerful plant medicines into your life. Enjoy this conversation with Lopa van der Mersch, and if you end up trying out Rasa, do let me know and let Lopa know how it goes. Before we dive into the episode, I want to tell you about my go-to marketing tool and the sponsor of this episode, Tailwind. Pinterest scheduling with Tailwind helps you grow your business with more traffic so you can spend time doing what you love. For me, it's walks in nature, cacao, and yoga. You can create your pins right from your Tailwind dashboard and Tailwind Create is a new tool from Tailwind that allows you to create beautiful pins faster than ever before you can generate, personalize, fine-tune, and schedule pins to drive traffic to your content in no time. I personally love Tailwind and use it and could not recommend it enough. Quick pro tip, I recently reached 1 million views on Pinterest and I attribute it to two things. One, using Tailwind to schedule and automate my pins. And to repurposing my Instagram reels and TikToks by pinning them to my Pinterest boards. If you haven't gotten into it yet, give it a go. And if you haven't tried Tailwind yet, go to tailwindapp.com fundedbysource funded to get $30 off a paid plan. That's tailwindapp, T-A-I-L-W-I-N-D-A-P-P dot com slash funded Lopa Vandermersch, welcome to Funded by Source. This is our second conversation on the podcast. And last time we spoke, you had shared some really incredible things that disrupted how I think about business, how Divine connects with business. And you also had shared that the business had grown 20 times in one year, and that was three years ago. So I'm excited to catch up with you on all things business, but also on all things color, which we will explain in a moment.
1: (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to be
0: back, Ksenia. So I never go on Facebook and the other week, end of May, to be precise, I somehow, I think I accidentally pressed Facebook and I ended up on my home feed. I don't know if they call it that anymore. And I saw your post and with your permission, I'm just going to read the outtake because that's what really got me and changed my life. Absolutely. Okay. So you said on your Facebook page, Calary is said to be the oldest martial art and also offers a full path to liberation. The training is rigorous. I'm in the best shape of my life, bar none. Like you should see the shit I can do with my body. It brings me glee. I once watched a video of some foreigners learning callery who said that doing three hours daily of callery was more physically intensive than doing six hours daily of Shaolin Kung Fu. But beyond that, there's an incredible beauty and gracefulness to the movements and their impact on marma points, subtle energy centers of the body. It leaves me energized and with greater access to awareness all day after practice. And it's so very complimentary with yoga practice to boot. So that post got me to sign up for a three-month calorie training program within days after this. And I'm in month two, and I can confirm that it is intensive. I am not tapping into enlightenment yet, but it's been quite fun, and I know that my body has been craving something challenging that is beyond the things I already do to move. And the kind of cathartic experience that this provides has been incredible. So I first want to start by saying thank you for sharing this and for re-entering the world of social media, because if this doesn't remind you of how much impact we have when we show up and share what matters to us, I don't know what will
1: a really good point as well. And there are quite a few people that signed up from that post and um, <clears throat> I hear from them periodically. And it's just, you know, I mean, it might be, I don't know, five or six people or something like that, but still these are people whose lives have been changed by, by doing this. And it's just, you know, me sharing something that I love and it is a, a great experience and expression of the impact that we can have through this matrix of connection that is social media.
0: So what is going on with you and now? Because you started last fall. How does that play a role in your life, rituals, routine as a mom, as a CEO, as a human?
1: Yeah. At this point, it's literally almost like my entire life hinges around this class that I have every morning, <laughs> um, and so I practice five days a week with my teacher, our teacher Nikhil. And I wasn't able to. You know, this was a tricky thing because he has an evening class, and that's the one that I was doing. And then are the in US the time changed? Fall back happened, or no, spring forward happened, and. India doesn't have a time change. And so it just ended up being right in the middle of family dinner. And I was like, I can't, and I'm not going to be able to do this consistently. And uh, so we figured out a time to do a private class. And it's the one that I'm anchoring around everything around, you know, and it's, it's really valuable to have one of those anchor habits. That's just like, you know what, no matter what, I'm going to do this. And I do occasionally take you know days off. Sometimes I have podcast interviews that I can't reschedule or I have back issues and sometimes my back hurts and it just feels like it's not smart to practice that day. But for the most part, been pretty consistent on five days a week. And so I start my work day a little bit later because it's 8.30 to 9.30 because it's the only time that we could end up working it out together. And so I work a little bit later, but I start my day off with this incredibly hard thing. And it is... It really is an experience of spending energy to make energy. Like, it's giving me more framework and perspective on, you know, what are the things in my life that I'm giving energy to, and sometimes a tremendous amount of energy, but it's also returning energy back. And so there's this regenerative cycle. And uh, calorie is absolutely that for me. And I think the, you know, it's very like if you have strength in your body, you have strength in your mind, you have strength in your life. Like, our body is the, is the basis of our manifest experience it's the most tangible of those and if you work with the body and this is the whole yogic practice as well if you if you work with the body and that lays the foundation for all of the other levels of awakening and the more subtle layers of awakening and so i really experience a lot of insight through doing it i you know if i'm having a really hard time sometimes it just I move it through my body. I literally feel like I sweat it out. Um, and, uh, you know, I've learned some some pretty deep life lessons already just, just through doing this practice. And I've done yoga for many, many years, and I love yoga. But there was something similar, like you said, for me with I wanted to be challenged more. And there's something that my body just loves about, like, being really fucking strong and, um, you know, really kind of going to the edge. And yoga is not really... Like There's a lot of edges that you can push in yoga, but the, the idea of like really pushing yourself in yoga is not quite the right alignment for that type of practice. Um, it should be a little bit more like opening and softening. But in this practice, you're literally helping to awaken kundalini through the way that you're moving and through how you're channeling the energy in your body. And uh, something about that is just really, really working for me.
0: I love that concept that you brought up about spending energy to receive energy because I think in the world that we're in, it, the narrative is often protect your energy at all costs and you know be very wise where you put your energy in. There's definitely wisdom to that. And also sometimes it just takes getting it all out so that we can create from a more clear space where... We are able to listen to the whispers instead of just being slaves to our own brains.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and I think
0: in our current context, when,
1: when there is so much going on for so many of us, you know, just from the technological plugins and our obligations at work, and you know, all the aspirations that we have, and you know, and then. You know, working through the different layers of programming, from anti-racism and capitalism, and seeing ourselves as productivity units to, you know the path of awakening and what that entails. There's just so much. And I think there is something there can be something very medicinal if it's if it's right for you. Uh, like my experience with color is I am so challenged that I can't think of anything else. And so inherently those things, whatever I'm carrying in my body is actually getting channeled through my body and through the act of actually kicking and squatting and doing all these different movements. And so then that clears me. And sometimes I'll come in with a big issue. I mean, this morning, for example, like I was, I had something Kind of intensely emotional come up work related and I was really fraught and I was like I don't even know if I'm going to be able to practice and I asked Nikhil like how do you do this when you're so distracted and he was like well you know it's it can be very difficult but if you know it's your calling you just keep going and uh, I kept going and then by the end of it it was like like three quarters of that had processed through my body and I was like seeing it just much more clearly much less triggered. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really getting religion. I've, I've done a fair amount of, you know, some martial arts in the past and some intense, I used to do parkour a long time ago.
0: Oh, wow. Fun facts about Lopa. <laughs>
1: totally. But then I've also gone in, in long phases where I kind of had the body as like a secondary, you know, didn't really pay that much attention to it. Like I ate well, but maybe wasn't necessarily focused on exercise. And now, being where I'm at now and doing, you know, an hour a day of really intense activity. I I feel what that's doing for my, for the streamlining and condensing and empowering of my energy. It's like my energy is collecting more in my body because it has to. And then therefore I have more potency and more power and more clarity through that. And uh, so, yeah, I think it's a very, I'm really into body practice right now, and want to encourage everybody to to do something of this nature.
0: You know, I intuitively think that color will be having a big moment, like we're at the beginning of this wave.
1: I think and,
0: so too. Yeah, and you're you know this portal for so many people to discover it because then people will start discovering it through me, and it's beautiful that our understanding of well-being and holistic health. You know, 10 years ago, we were all talking about smoothies and Mm -hmm. vegan salads and things like that. And then it moved into, well, what about biodynamic? You know, and now it's becoming a lot more considering the earth as well, not just what goes in our body, because our bodies are earth after all. And now it's like this return to something so primal that we already know within our bodies that just reawakens that strength. You're right. I feel the same way. It gives me so much energy. And there's some days when I really don't want to show up to class and I do, and I'm so happy I did. And days when I don't and I do it with a recording, I just don't give it nearly as much energy. You know, <laughs> it's not, not the same thing. It's doing it with community. I think that's also a big part of it. And even though it's virtual and all over Zoom, there's something really powerful knowing that there's a bunch of people around the world doing it at the same time as me.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. And actually the traditional way in India is you you practice in so they dig a pit out of the earth. It's about six feet down on there, these big steps to walk down, and then you're all practicing on this red earth together in a line. And I haven't done that yet, planning on hopefully going this winter, but you know, there's this energy that comes. And it's just like, if you've ever meditated in a group and you kind of get to ride the wave of the group a bit, and it's a lot easier for everyone, or at least my experience, it can be. I think it's, you know, similar in that context. And I, you know, now I, when I started doing colority, I was actually doing it almost exclusively off the recordings because I couldn't make the time work with my family commitments. And, and then I started actually, and he would kind of, do a private with me and maybe like once every other week or something just to check in. And then I started making the time to do it in the group more consistently. And yeah, similar, even though it's over zoom, you know, there's people I'm, I'm, you know, with people across like five different time zones and all over the world. And there is some, some energy there. And now when I just practice with Nikhil, I mean, he doesn't let me get away with anything. So it's very, very motivating. (laughs)
0: Where can people find out more about this? Where would you send them? You know, it's a great question.
1: I think the best place to go is his Instagram. Um, he's, he's not a natural, you know, he's not a marketer in the, in the sense. He's very, you know, just committed to his craft and to his teaching. So, uh, you know, there's not really a website or anything like that. But his Instagram is Nikhil Varagiri, which is N-I-K-H-I-L-V-A-R-A-G-I-R-I.
0: And I will link to that in the show notes. So my question to you is, all of this energy that is being generated through colory, what are you putting it into? What whispers are you hearing and what is coming through you these days? I love that question. Thank you. You
1: know, so much of it has been
0: around
1: up-leveling and, you know, based from the time that we talked last time to the time to now, it's a very different experience of of my business and you know I went from operating out of my garage with just a couple of people to having a team of 20 people and you know really being a real business and really having impact in the world and all of that and what that has required of me in terms of you know personal development and spiritual development and it's an all-in thing and you know like entrepreneurship is like it'll give everything that you can give it. And as I have more and more people on my team as well, I'm more sensitive to things like power dynamics and you know, being, I I tend to be a people pleaser. If you're familiar with the Enneagram, I'm a two on the Enneagram. And uh, so I can really overextend myself to try and make people happy and stuff like that. And the reality is, is that I do not have the time or energy to to be doing that anymore. And so there's just this like layer after layer of up-leveling and it feels like like the calorie is helping to kind of solidify and ground my energy in my body so that I'm more aware of my limits and more precious about how I'm spending my energy. Because the reality is, is that I can't, there's just simply not the bandwidth and it's not practical for me to be, you know, doing things that somebody else could do, you know, in, in the business at this point, there's, I'm really looking through the lens of, what can I and only I do? And then I still do some things like respond to our social comments and stuff like that because I like to uh, be engaged, but certainly not all of them are even close. But yeah, there's this kind of continual refinement towards wielding more power with less energy. And in a way, like I've experienced the business to be like this matrix of energy. It's like almost like a circular matrix where the energy flows in the business. And, you know, at one point in my business, I knew everything that was going on, every single thing. And now it's like, I can sort of tune into any aspect of the business and get an energetic imprint of what's going on. And then I can also probe deeper and look at, you know, the tasks that people are doing and the projects that they're working on and all that kind of stuff. And then I can kind of zoom out and then go into another part of the business and just sort of like, it's kind of wielding this, yeah, this sphere of a tremendous amount of energy that's really interconnected. It's all interconnected and then it's connected to the customers and it's connecting to, you know, to the industry and all of these different pieces. But it's this amazing way of kind of feeling our interconnectivity. And then how does, for example, like... How does my clarity of mind impact everything that we do in our business? How does my stress or lack thereof ripple out throughout this energetic matrix that we're all sharing, which is kind of this like one body experience almost, if you will. And so, you know, I think about that a lot and I feel into that a lot and it's becoming less and less okay for me to not be resourced because the impact on the business is just untenable. And so yeah, overall, there's been a huge up leveling in myself and in the business. And then, you know, lots, lots of growth in the business and lots of directions that we're going into to kind of continue to be more and more in alignment with our values and what, what we want to create and how we're going to acquire those resources that are going to allow us to, to hit the growth that we feel like we can have.
0: What are some other things besides calorie that are keeping you resourced? Time in nature is a big one.
1: And I've been meditating again. I kind of stepped off the cushion for a long time. And even to some extent was questioning, you know, whether or not that was even really valuable or if I needed to. and Or maybe I'm not that spiritual of a person after all. I don't know. And went through kind of this whole process with it. And I found my way back. And so, you know, that entails a whole slew of things from visualization and moving energy and purifying chakras and purifying elements and mantras. And I've been doing puja again, which is Indian ritual. And yeah, a lot of mantra. I've actually started wearing my malas again. And there's like wearing malas to... Because they remind us, and the the different ways that that can that sort of adornment can support us, and then there's also like you actually use it throughout the day to kind of keep you connected and, and keep you related to whatever mantra that you're working with, and so I've been doing that again, and all of these things. It's like so many things you can remember or you can forget, <laughs> you know. Like and, it, and when you remember, it's actually really good, and when you forget. You think it's okay, but then you forget how good it is when you remember. One of my teachers says, you you need to remember to remember. And I like that a lot. So like wearing a mala and cultivating what's known as a second attention practice is a really powerful way to keep yourself in the habit of remembering, remembering to remember. So second attention practice is like we all have a first attention like right now, my primary attention is I'm talking to you. I'm looking at my computer screen. So that's in my visual awareness, but I'm you know, very engaged in that. But I can also cultivate another layer of attention where I might be having an awareness of my breath in between when I speak and as I'm speaking, or I might have an awareness of body sensation. And we have this capacity. And, and in that second attention, we can cultivate something that tethers us to presence so that we're not you know, just acting from reactivity and the programs of our mind and the ruts that we have, the neurological ruts, all of that. And the second attention kind of helps us to just stay tethered to that higher source, stay tethered to that deeper connection to whatever, whatever that is for you. And so, yeah, I've been working with second attention practice. Mine usually is a mantra, but that's hard when you're talking to keep a mantra going. So I'll often do body sensation, or even just having awareness on awareness is another way that you can do that. But we've all had an experience of second attention, or I assume that almost all of us have. If you're driving somewhere and you get to your destination and then you're like, wow, I don't even remember the last 10 minutes of that drive. And that's because the driving became the second attention and your thoughts, whatever you were thinking about became the first attention. And so this is about, you know, you keep your first attention on whatever it is you're doing in your life, you know, stay, stay primarily focused on that, but then you cultivate this other layer of attention on an affirmation, a mantra, bodily awareness, breath, whatever kind of moves you. And that's been a really powerful practice for me that I, that I really recommend. And there's another one of those that does take a little energy to create energy, but in that process of remembering to remember which, you know, at my worst, I might remember to remember every couple of days and be like, oh shit, I forgot about it since what, Tuesday, (laughs) you know, or something like that. But at my best, I might remember to remember a hundred times that day. And you keep on flexing that muscle and it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And then, you know, the, the idea is the goal is eventually you're constantly tethered to that state of deeper presence. And what that allows to open in you because you're building this container of deeper awareness that like is opening you to spirit that that's a really powerful thing and so that that cultivating of that awareness and being aware of being aware is i think one of the most powerful and easiest but also really not easiest ways of awakening
0: another practice that can be very helpful with awakening is curating the best memes on the internet and posting them on your facebook I haven't seen you do that for a while, but you're usually my source of memes.
1: Yes, 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 yes. You know, I think we—we we, life is not meant to be super serious. And yes, I do have a stash of memes and actually I've been sitting on some for a while, but <laughs> I had to re, like, re-wipe my phone because it went crazy. It went berserk. I lost all my albums and I was like, I had like 1,200 memes in there. so i have to go back and be like okay what was the last meme i posted and then here's the 40 memes that i've gathered since then and yeah
0: that's a talent (laughs) i do want to ask you something about the remembering to remember and that is when you remember to remember how does that feel
1: Mm, like coming home yeah Mm. um and it yeah i like i could elaborate on that more but it, it i think that's the the biggest piece.
0: Would you like to elaborate on it more while I sip on my RasaCom? <laughs> yeah, there's, it's like an opening and I almost, I
1: feel it visually a bit. Um, I'm, I'm a pretty visually oriented person. We all are in terms of our five senses. We tend to those of us who have sight um, be more visually oriented than anything else. I mean, think about it. Like how much does your, do your eyes drive you compared to your sense of smell? But it's like my peripheral opens up just a little bit and like I'm kind of as though I'm letting the light in to my eyes instead of kind of seeking out with my eyes to like grab the light out there. It's like the the light can kind of fall into my eyes a little bit and there's a settling back into my body. I think this is another thing too is that I, I personally and I think this is not necessarily just me but also may not be everyone. It's like my consciousness tends to localize sort of in the front of my head, sort of ocular, like in my eye area. And when I remember to remember, it kind of just shifts back a little bit more towards the central channel. And like I kind of rest back into myself and I inhabit more of my body with my energy. It's like my energy has the opportunity to fill my body instead of like, you know, in a way, like being a walking head, you know, or, t- or a talking head. And those are some of the things. And that might be more minute or more dramatic depending on the context like if i'm in the middle of a you know work negotiation or something like that or some sticky hr situation at work remembering to remember might be like oh god that's right okay so i'm not just this freak out right now <laughs> there's more going on here and it might be a pretty like small but very helpful perspective gaining but then when i'm in nature for example in in big nature it might be like wow i I am not just this body, and like there's a whole expansion of my sense of self, and my energy feels like it goes twelve feet above my head, and maybe I'm actually experiencing some aspect of I am the consciousness of everything that I'm seeing, and so you know, it there's a spectrum, and it doesn't, it's not always fireworks. And I would say for me, you know, it doesn't necessarily tend to be fireworks; it tends to be more like I read some. I read somewhere, somebody was talking about like, wow, this whole awakening thing, it's actually nothing to write home about. Mm-hmm. It is, but it's also <laughs> everything. And I was like, yes, they really relate to this. You know, the act of opening our awareness and having a broader awareness and, and having that sense of like, what, what would it feel like if I was the base source of everything You know, all of consciousness, like what would it feel like to be wholly identified with that as well as I am in this body? And so like we can kind of practice and like tune into like what would that feel like if we haven't had that direct experience ourselves? And that can kind of cue us in a little bit more and a little bit more to opening more and more to that energy.
0: I feel like we're planting so many seeds and allowing so many roots to sprout around such beautiful topics. And there's so many that I want to get into more, such as leadership and business and how do you bring all of these practices while managing 20 people. And I definitely want to get there. But before we do, I just want to encourage everyone who hasn't listened to our first episode together, which was episode 46. It gives you Lopez background and I guess it was a glimpse into the early Rasa when it was known as Rasa coffee. And so I would love you to kind of tell us a little bit about Rasa and the journey that it's been on as its own spirit and energy since the conception and how it's shifted. And also, I want to know, did you have any idea how big it would become? I'll start
1: with that first one first. I... I had a vision that it could be something really big and that's been an ongoing, I wouldn't say tension, but more like living into the question of, you know, what does this being, this entity, like at this point for a while, Rasa was just me. And it was like, you would feel like in the people who came into the business were like, oh yeah, like you are Rasa. (laughs) Um, and, there wasn't really any separation between my personality and my specific locus of consciousness and the business itself. And now the business is much bigger than just me. There is a lot of me in the business and all through the business, of course, but the business is its own being. It's its own entity. And that's one of the beautiful things and the beautiful manifestations of, of, being an entrepreneur and being in business is like you're birthing literally another entity that has its own life force and has its own. And actually in India, they recommend that when you are starting a business, you actually pick the astrology that you want to start in. and You pick an opportune astrology and then you actually read the chart of the business sometimes um, just to you know, sort of get information about how, how it's moving in the different layers of karma and energy that we, we're all steeped in. And so, yeah, it has it has changed a lot, and there's been this kind of ongoing question of like, what does this business want to be? I have an idea; it can be something really big, and that I think I started with that idea in mind. You know, like, wow, this it, it was a little bit of like a this could really be big, you know, it could become something really big, and we'll see. And I go back and forth a little bit between being like, because it could be really big, we, we should make it really big and kind of hold this pressure on it, which if you think about it from like a parenting perspective, you don't really want to do that to your child. You want to allow your child to be what it is and sort of help steward it in the process and let it be the most of what it's going to be, whatever that is. And so, you know, I, I think that this, child, this business has the potential to become a nine figure business and to be a culture changing business. And I think there's a lot of factors that point to that in terms of kind of the karmic context that we're showing up in, you know, a world where people are awakening to the amount of stress that they're in a world where people are looking to energize in healthier ways, a world where there's just too much in general and coffee can be a tool of the too muchness. Um, It can be a way that we override ourselves to, to continue to do too much instead of, okay, I just need to do a little bit of rest or maybe I need to do some exercise, you know, to actually generate some more energy internally or, you know, all the different things. So the ways we relate to ourselves as these kind of this commodified sense of self, to project a brand, to have a certain level of success, all of these different layers. And I think that that people are starting to awaken to how that doesn't work. Like that's not real. <laughs> that's not what we're here to do. Like we're divine expressions here to awaken, and that awakening can come. That awakening best comes through our full expression of exactly what we're here to do. And for some of us, that may be, you know, being very successful and having a very engaging social media presence and all of the different things, you know, whatever it is, I'm just thinking of kind of influencers as a, as a as a foil for this, that people think sort of are holding this idea of we think that we all need to be influencers in some way. And some people have the karma to be big influencers and some people don't, you know, that's that's just what's real. And so I think all of these different contexts point to the fact that people need more nourishment, and they need just a little bit more slow down, just five percent more resource, just a few more deep breaths. You know, are, is what helps us to be our best selves. To answer your question in a long, roundabout, a spiritualized way, which I can do here, and I so appreciate that because I don't always get to to wax poetic in these ways. It's you know, I, I think that there really is a big potential for the for the business, and one of the things that we're Really excited about and are working on right now is um, actually becoming a community-owned business through crowdfunding. So, you know, over the years, so we've we've had tremendous growth. It's been awesome. You know, by so many factors, we've been incredibly successful, and it's also been hard because we've been bootstrapped and we've been resource-constrained. Um, we were and pretty never tired. taken funding, right, or considered it. We've considered it, but we, yeah, we haven't taken outside funding. We've been self-funded and then just sort of a like capital injections just when it's absolutely needed, you know, kind of thing. And most of our investment has been in inventory because we have a really long lead time. We're getting these herbs from all over the world, um, really beautiful places. And so we just need to sit on a lot of inventory so that we're able to scale and not having things like, oh no, COVID in India. And now we can't get an herb that we really need for three months, you know, or whatever. So most of our investment has gone into that and we've had a lot of investors come to us over over the years and you know when they hear how much we've put in and how much we've been able to create in terms of valuation like their their jaws drop they're like wow you've been able to do all this while bootstrapped while not taking outside funding or significant funding to boot and having a you know very high degree of integrity in terms of our supply chain, in terms of our packaging, in terms of all these different pieces, and all of those things take money. And what we're what we're seeing is that the the model in the consumer packaged goods world is to take VC funding and then you just kind of dump a bunch of money into growth and then bada bing bada boom. And we it took us a really long time to get our finances dialed, which it was just very, very complicated. And it was interesting how empowering it was to have this clear picture. It's like your financial picture is actually your energy picture because money is energy. And so you're getting this clear sense of where the energy and the resources and the business are going. And we finally realized like, wow, we've actually been pretty much break even as a business and except for investing in growth. And so our growth growth, is where we're actually quote unquote losing money but we're you know you sp- spend money to make money especially in the business world and in this context that we're in and uh so we were like okay we do need outside funding to really be able to let this business like the it, I can feel I have this like energetic sense of the business the business wants to grow more we have all the metrics pointing to that we have a very scalable, very financially healthy business. and so and then, but then we talked to these VCs, and most of them were like, "Yeah, you know, three year exit, five year exit." And I started thinking about, and some of them are very attractive and have done great things and seem like great people, and you know, all of those things, but fundamentally, the mode of the VC is to get their return, and they have to get that return on a certain timeline. And that return imperative, can put a lot of pressure on the business and can also really require the kinds of decisions that we don't want to have to make. Like, you know, well, do you want compostable packaging or do you want to be profitable this year? You know, like, well, do you want to, you know, start your meetings with meditation or do you want to like really hammer through all the agenda items? You know, like these kinds of things start to become really real when you engage in
0: time, time return capital like that. I don't know why, but this analogy keeps coming through. If someone came in and gave me an evaluation as a woman or as a human based on who I was dating in high school, which was no one, because I don't know, I just never had boyfriends going through middle school and high school, and used that to determine what kind of husband I'm meant to have and what kind of relationships I'm meant to have. That's kind of how it feels, what you're describing. hmm hmm Yep. It's like very linear black and white.
1: Yes, exactly, exactly. And that's, that's not like what reality is either, you know? And so we, we just, I started contemplating. It was like, oh, wait a second. So I see coffee as potentially extractive energy. It's you're taking in energy, but it's actually taking energy from another time in your life, whether that's tomorrow
0: or whether that's 30 years from now. Can you speak more to that? That sounds fascinating. That sounds like time travel. <laughs> a little bit. Well, I mean, I'm
1: coming off of Chinese medicine has this saying that coffee borrows energy from tomorrow to fuel today. And because the way that it's energizing you is through an artificial cortisol spike, which is a stress response and through a central, just central nervous system stimulation. So it's almost a little bit like just getting shocked, like, you know, they're like, ah, I feel great. It's amazing. Everything's awesome. That's how it's energizing you. And for different people, this will incur a debt that will take a pen, uh, like will take, what's the word I'm looking for? It'll need to be, it'll be accrued over time and then you'll need to pay it back over time. And depending on the type of constitution you have, your body will come back to collect that debt sooner or later. And I think this is important. I'm not, I'm saying this and it, in, a, in an, this is true. What I'm saying is is actually true according to Chinese medicine, and they study these things very many times, and I've gone deeply into some of the wisdom behind this and what's what's going on in terms of the way it's affecting your chi. And I always hold the Ayurvedic adage, which is for whom and when, because it's not everybody, and I'm not saying that coffee is the devil and we don't need to be like, oh, okay, so coffee is definitely bad. It's really about finding the right relationship for you and your body and how you are sourcing your energy. And for some people having a cup of day like a cup of coffee a day really does not impact them negatively very much at all or if at all. And for some people, you know, they might be really dependent on that cup of coffee a day and that dependency, you know, right there is already an indication that there's something there's something that's being overridden in your body. So it's really about having that nuanced sensitivity to what's really right for you. And my suggestion is that if you're unsure of what's best um, and what your relationship to coffee is, quit for a little while. You know, if you're, if you're not sure how caffeine and coffee are affecting you, go without it for a month and you will learn about your relationship to it. And then you will see, you know, you'll be able to introduce it back or you may be will decide it's better without it, whatever. But anytime we fast from something, we learn about a relationship to it. You know, if you, if you cut out sugar for a month, you're going to learn about your relationship to sugar. If you cut out social media, you will learn so much about your relationship to that, etc. So um, I'm, a, I'm a fan of fasting in that sense for self-understanding and for learning because so often there are things in our lives that we just don't even question the impact on us. So coffee is overall a net extractive type of energy and it is disrupting your chi, giving you more chi right now, but taking a little bit from tomorrow and the next day. And then as I was saying, it's like for some people, some people will be like, I'm fine. And then 30 years later, it's like, oh, wow, something's breaking down and I don't quite understand why. And it may well be that the coffee has been disrupting your chi, has been disrupting your prana this whole time. Or maybe any number of other factors, but and for some people, you know, you might be already experiencing it. Like, wow, I just can't get going without coffee, or I, um, you know, maybe your you, sleep is disturbed, or you know, there's all these different kind of symptoms for for seeing if this is not actually working for you as well. And one of the things I do point to, especially for more spiritual people. At, like, as we're opening to more and more energy from source, we are becoming more and more sensitive. We are tuning our instruments to more and more subtle information. And the more you are trying to sensitize, the more you want to be really careful about how you are sourcing yourself and sourcing your energy to be able to do more of that. And coffee is a pretty blunt object energetically. <laughs> And so, you know, just be aware if you are in a relationship with coffee and you're really trying to cultivate greater spiritual awareness and the sensitivity that comes with that and the sensitivity that is required for that, that regular coffee use can be, you know, kind of dulling your edges in in that regard. So all that's to say coffee, extractive energy. And then we were like, oh, VCs are the coffee of money. This is ext- interactive capital for short-term gains with potentially damaging long-term consequences. And so when we started to realize that, we were like, okay, we can't be the company that we are and take you know extractive capital VC money. And so that's how we were like, oh, becoming community owned, actually owned by the people that love our brand. Like, How much sense does that make? We win and they win. And they win and we win. Everybody it's win, win, win all across. And that's a real regenerative cycle. And so, yeah, we see capital from that perspective as well.
0: I would love to learn a little bit more about what it means that it's going to be, um, you said community owned. And also I want to point out that I would like to believe that there are, and I know actually I have friends who are VCs who do have a totally different Conscious and mindful approach to investing mm-hmm. that isn't like this. I mean, maybe it's worth a conversation. We can speak off the record, but I know that that exists and that it's possible. Amazing,
1: amazing. That's great to hear. And you know what?
0: I we I've been careful about like
1: or I've been think, thoughtful about how do I talk about VCs when I know that this isn't necessarily everyone. And I was like, you know what? If I put out there, like VCs are like this. Hopefully, the ones who aren't will like raise their hands and be like, "Oh, uh, wait a second, no, we're not." Like, <laughs> That's oh, a good strategy. <laughs> yeah. um, so, trying to like antagonize people a little bit into communication. That said, I would be definitely interested in, in having that conversation. And we are really excited about, and it feels really brand aligned to become community owned. So, the context of that is we will be. We're still not totally sure on the exact timing of this, but it'll probably be like four to five weeks from now. Basically making shares in Rasa available to the wider public. And so crowdfunding, in this sense, it's equity crowdfunding. So you invest a certain amount and you get certain shares of Rasa, and then there'll probably be some perks as well in terms of, you know, what that means for being a customer. And you can get additional investment by enrolling your friends and stuff like that. <laughs> and
0: how is it different from a VC? Is it? in that there's no control from the people and there's no say, or what's the difference there?
1: Well, VCs generally do take board seats and they do have some sort of voting share. And in crowdfunding, it's generally not a voting share. But in our case, we really get excited about the idea of being really radically transparent with our customers and crowdsourcing. And so that there actually is this sense of, of mutual ownership. It might not be in like the legal sense, but still being like, Hey, here's what's going on in our business right now. What do you guys think? And you know, what do you think our next product should be? And just getting more and more feedback from people. And so that we are actually, we've done this over the course of our whole business, but more like kind of quietly and now actually formalizing and making that a little bit more public where we are you know soliciting feedback and then integrating that feedback and literally you know adjusting the business within reason you know because sometimes you know people might not quite understand the context and you know all of these different pieces but we think that there's really a great place for becoming partially community owned and so owned by our customers you know we might have a a base of you know a thousand customers, fifty thousand customers, etc., to who actually own some shares in Rasa, and so then as we grow and as our f- valuation goes up, the valuation of their money goes up as well, and then they're also every time they're purchasing Rasa, they're helping their own valuation every time they're sharing with their friends, all of that, and the the platform that we're going with the current minimum investment is a hundred dollars, so it's you know not. Not a ton for some people that, that will still be too much, of course, and we're looking into whether or not we should see if we can bring that down as well, just to make it even more democratic in that sense. And then they just changed the regulations to allow, previously you could only raise a million dollars that way per year, and now you can raise up to five million a year. Um, and so we're actually going to go for the full five million And that is going to give us a lot of growth capital to be able to really grow the business and to get into new channels and have Rasa in more places where you can try it more at cafes, all of these good things. And then from there, we may look at getting a more strategic partner, one of these non-extractive VCs that you're talking about, or... There's a couple of folks that we have reached out to or that we have had, have had contact with over the last few months that are like, oh, you actually you know, might be a good partner and aren't quite a traditional VC or like growth equity capital and stuff like that. So
0: yeah, that is fascinating because you know, when I think about it, when I love a brand, and I know for many people it's like that, you feel like you are a shareholder because of how much time you spend thinking about it, consuming it, sharing about it. And having this way to give your customers a way to engage with you more deeply and feel invested—it's mm-hmm. just so beautiful. And I'm actually thinking about it. I'm shocked why this doesn't happen more often. Why don't you know influencers who work with brands for years and create content for them, or affiliates who are super successful for certain brands? Why isn't there that conversation? Because it would motivate everyone involved. Hmm.
1: Exactly. Well. I think this is actually, I mean, mark my words here. There, there's a rising tide happening here. And I think that this is actually going to change the way that business is done, and especially since they just changed the regulations to be 5 million. We're going to probably be one of the first companies that have actually raised that, that full 5 million. And that, it makes it possible to just raise so much more. And like a, a million dollars, you know, I know that sounds like a lot but in the context of a business like you know a, a thriving business can use that capital really quickly and very efficiently as well. And so I think that there's going to be a really significant change in terms of how businesses are funding themselves thanks to these regulations and we're we're actually seeing the possibility that we could be you know almost completely crowdfunded you know for a couple of years anyway for the majority of our capital. It creates this new potential paradigm for ownership where, yeah, exactly. If you have a community that owns the business, like how much, how much investment, like literal investment, but like how much ownership and how much excitement do you have about that business? Like you watch their wins and you're like, that's my win too. And it just, I think it really kind of turns the tide and we see ourselves, you know, I eventually would like to be partially employee owned, partially community owned. And then we may have, you know, a strategic partner as well in there. And I think that that's just, it's very, it's like to the people and it's keeping money out of the context of, you know, people who are mostly dealing with billions of dollars and into the context of people who are, you know, normal people like you and me and empowers them and starts to get them thinking about how they use energy, i.e. capital And what they're actually literally, you know, they say like to vote with your dollar, like it becomes an investment. It becomes a vote with your dollar. And so I think we're going to see more and more people starting to think of themselves as investors as well, just everyday people. And I think it's going to be, I think
0: it's going to be a really significant
1: game changer for the way that business is done.
0: Talking about so many trends here. Look at that. The very (laughs) very beginning of things. We trendy. I just, yeah, just the idea of a customer being able to invest $100, $200, whatever that is for each person. But the energy investment behind that, you're right, feeling like you're part of this. Every time there's a new product being developed and being able to be a little bit behind the scenes on this, I think it's really disrupting the whole influencer, follower, celebrity brand, follower paradigm, because it's creating access and co-creation really. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And
1: I think that that's the really interesting piece for us where we're you know, really looking at like how, how transparent can we be? And we're actually, there's a, a surprising amount of secrecy in the business world. I'm noticing um, people are just really tight lipped about, you know, things that they feel like will give them a comp- competitive advantage or things that, you know, they will, they feel like maybe they risk by sharing. And one of the things that we've been reflecting on is, you know, whenever you're hiding something, there's energy, that gets stuck in there. You know, it's just like anytime you lie or present a face in some way, like you're expending energy to kind of hold something in some framework. And then you're sort of like, well, who did I tell? And who didn't I tell? And who thinks that I'm this? And who thinks that, you know, like it kind of gets all stuck in there. And ours is a brand, we're really about energy intelligence. like emotional intelligence, but being smart with how you're using your energy. And when you're transparent and open, there's actually a more free flowing channel of energy. And you could actually get more energy because of it. Cause you're just letting source in and saying like, yes, yes, I will be exactly what I am. And if we do that with our businesses as well, yes, this is exactly what my business is. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Here's all the different pieces of it. And so we're actually stepping forward to be a radically transparent, like almost like open source CPG business. And we're going to be sharing our margins and be sharing, you know, our revenue numbers and just be really public with basically anything that we feel like we can be public with suppliers you know, like, how can, how much more can we help other businesses by sharing our suppliers and by sharing which compostable packaging companies worked and which ones didn't and why, and all of that kind of stuff. And there will be some things, you know, we're not going to err our HR laundry, for example, you know, we're not going to, there are certain suppliers where like the supply isn't quite as secure because maybe they have a, you know, a small amount of supply. And so we may not share that particular supplier because then we risk giving up the only supplier that we have for something, for example, stuff like that. But I think for most, most everything else, it's just going to be like fair game. You know, what do people want to know? We will, we will share you anything and you will get to be a part of this beautiful, incredible journey that it is to create this business.
0: Wow, this is quite a long way from having one product. I believe when we spoke last time, you hadn't yet switched to compostable packaging, and you only had the classic Rasa. And since then, anytime I see you launch a new product, it just blows my mind how as a bootstrapped company, you keep creating those new formulas, selling out of them, continuously releasing new ones. So I would love you to speak to that, whatever wants to come through around developing product range, because I know there's some products that are super successful with just one and they stick to that. You've been experimenting and it's been so fun to witness that, but also drink the Joy Tonic and the elderberry one. I haven't yet tried the sex one, but that sounds amazing too. And also on the other edge of this, what is next? What else is possible You know, with those 5 million, you mentioned Rasa and cafes, what else is part of your vision going forward?
1: Yeah. So the product development has been interesting and in a way a little bit haphazard, I'll be the first to admit it, where we just sort of like would have a gut gut hit of like, well, yeah, I think we should do a sexy one. It's funny because we were actually working on the immune one just before COVID hit. And then we were like, God, that was good timing, <laughs> um, You know, right on time. And we we pushed, once we started, saw that that was happening, we pushed to, to get it out as quickly as possible. And with several of these products, so with Spicy Rose, Super Happy Sunshine, which is the Joy Tonic and um, Elderberry, we intended for them to be limited edition products. We had no intention of expanding our line. We were like, great, we're going to do, you know, a thousand or a couple thousand bags and just, you know, sell out and then be done. And with each one, we just got the most amazing reviews and like hundreds of requests to bring it back. And, you know, in the context of s- Spicy Rose, like we've had people, you know, somebody told us that they had their first s- orgasm during sex. Wow. Wow. They were like, I don't know what else I did different. And it just seemed like it was this. And I'm just amazed. This was incredible. And we've had a couple of people say, I'm pretty sure that I'm pregnant with a Rasa baby. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much.
0: What exactly, what kind of herbs or ingredients do you think might be stimulating those breakthroughs?
1: Yeah. So I think... I'm going to answer that in a little bit of a different way because I actually think that part of the way that Ben is our chief herbalist and does all our formulations, I think the way that he formulated it was really pretty genius because he was like, I could jack this product up with some really intense aphrodisiacs and really ensure that I make people feel something. But what I want to do, and this is a perspective that he takes on on everything, is like For us, it's herbal integrity and we're going with tonic herbalism. And what it's doing in the spicy rose blend particularly is actually more deeply nourishing the reserves that fuel your sexual energy. And so it's less of a like, oh my God, I take this and not really want to fuck. (laughs) You know, it's more of like, how are we actually tending to the energy that gives us Access to that creative potential and that sexual capacity. And I, so I think in that sense, it actually is in some ways more subtle. And, you know, like some people might drink it and be like, well, I'm not really feeling anything, but it's also more sustainable and it can go a lot deeper in that sense as well. And so it also is about what you bring to it. Like plant medicine requires participation, you have to show up and bring your engagement to it in order to have the most impactful effect. And so, you know, on the herb side, you know, there's a a strong maca extract, which is really beautiful. And there's hawthorn. So there's actually four different types of aphrodisiacs. And I think that's one of the other things too, is there's, there's aphrodisiacs for the heart that, you know, help you to relax and open into the permission of allowing pleasure, for example. There's aphrodisiacs for, you know, just getting things going down there and getting things, you know, excited and moving energy down into the genital area. There's, and then there's also the adaptogens component, which helps you to relax and just not be quite in so in our heads. And so I think that that more holistic approach, I think, is part of what is giving people more powerful experiences in a way. And sometimes it's that's counterintuitive. Like you kind of think that you need that really strong thing to to have that stronger impact, but actually the subtle can be way more potent and profound. And I think that that's actually some of the medicine of what rasa is and some of the important medicine for a time. And I think some, like a lot of what your audience is really starting to understand and awaken to as well. So- there was a little aside there, you know, In same Super Happy Sunshine and Elderberry, we had people, you know, saying like they were on the front lines of COVID and, you know, it just really helped them to keep going and feel like they were strong in their immune system and they hadn't gotten sick and all these great things. And then with Super Happy Sunshine, I mean, like we had some reviews that brought me to tears with that one and that like people who were on the brink. Of, you know, it was a tough year, and there were some people that were ready to check out, and we had multiple people literally say, This product saved my life. And we were like, okay, we have to bring that back. We can't like, we can't not do that. And so, and that one, in that case, the herb scalidium is a really beautiful herb used by the Sun tribe in South Africa. And it's a succulent, actually. And they they use it traditionally, it's sacred to the Sun tribe, and they use it traditionally. As a way to connect with each other and also particularly as a way to let go of battle. So if they've just been in battle, they come back and they chew the herb, they smoke the herb. And it just kind of helps them like release that. And, you know, I think in so many of our lives, like whether or not we're actually in a physical battle, like we feel like we are because of the amount of stress that we're in, and our body doesn't quite know how to differentiate between like the stress of a stressful email and like I mean, we do, to some extent, like if there was bombs around, you would have a different kind of fear and stress. But we do all, in a way, feel like we're fighting, fighting this battle just to sustain in a culture and a societal context that's not actually very humane and not designed for us to be expanding in the fullest extent of our beingness. And so, yeah, I think that that, that impact of that herb has been you know, really profound for some people.
0: And scelidium was also known as kanna. Yes. A friend of mine, Paige, makes chocolates with Kana. And in my experience, it's one of the most powerful herbs, probably just so present once you take it. In my experience, it's just so calming. And I don't feel all herbs, but there's something about Kana that is just so profoundly strong. So that explains it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep it's and i've had pages chocolates they're wonderful as soon as i saw she came out with them i was like "Ah, oh, yep i'm fine. Yes. <laughs> yeah it's a really beautiful herb powerful herb and you know i'd say with with so many herbs too this is something that i actually i learned from our herbalist if you don't feel it go ahead and try and double dose or even triple dose you know like a couple of times just so that you can have an impact of knowing what you're looking for, because sometimes it is subtle. And if you have that experience of going a little further and being like, oh, there it is. And then when you have the smaller dose, you're like, now I know kind of what I'm looking for. And so these are ways that you can work to subtleize your energy more.
0: Yes, you know, every time I hear you speak to plants and explain how and why Rasa is formulated, it just gets me so present and I feel like I expand my capacity to actually appreciate and enjoy the plants. It's kind of how cacao ceremony or any other plant medicine ceremony, because there's this sacred context around it. There's a preparation. There's a story behind it. There's people supporting you within the journey. It's I think it's the same with any plants and really with anything in life. Once we create this intentional context that just really shifts everything.
1: Yeah. It really is about how we do things more than what, and even more than
0: why. Yes. So I know we're past the hour here and I want to make sure I'll let you go, but there's two more topics that are on my heart and I'm going to let you to go either both ways or just one or skip them all together. The first one is plant medicine because I heard you point to plant medicine and I'm curious if there's anything else you want to share on that topic. And the second one is social media because I know that you took a break from it and you mentioned that taking a break from coffee and social media, really anything, it helps you understand your relationship and the dynamics of it better. So I'll let you take it over whichever way you would like to go.
1: I'll go with plant medicine. And then if we, if we want to take a minute and go on social media, I'm happy to as well. In part, cause plant medicine is so much like if I were to really kind of zoom out from the details of my life and look at the energetic imprints and the things that are really shaping and supporting me, plants are a huge part of that. And for me, tea and tea ceremony is a really big part of that. And then obviously Rasa and all that I'm doing here. I think we're, we're, what's coming up to share, and I'm just going to go with that is I have friends who have studied Ayurveda really deeply in India, you know, in an apprenticeship context, lived there for a long time, that sort of thing. And one of the teachers that a friend of mine was studying with said, told him this story. He said, You will eventually come to just prescribe like something like five herbs across your whole practice. You'll just keep finding that you come back to these five herbs. You'll start with a wider repertoire, but then eventually it's just going to be like, wow, I just keep coming back to these like roughly five different herbs. And he said, the reason for that is that you have karma with these herbs and the herbs are helping you. The plants are helping you to be able to work through your karma and to help manifest your dharma as well as you're going to also start attracting the people who have karma with those particular plants. And so I've looked at my own life context and noticed, like, wow, I have, I had definitely have some karma with a, you know, an array of herbs here at this point. And you know, we have 12 herbs in our core formula. And now at this point, we actually source over 50 herbs. But it is interesting to feel like being a conduit for more people to have their lives impacted by this plant consciousness. And I just, I see it from this perspective. And again, don't always necessarily get the, the chance where it feels like the best thing to talk about, to talk about these kind of woo things, but these plants have this intelligence. Adaptogens particularly have this intelligence where they are literally thriving in like the most stressful environments you can put a plant in like these are the ones that you see you know growing out of rocks and growing in incredibly arid environments and just you know very extreme contexts so when we take adaptogens into our own body we are literally upgrading ourselves with that intelligence of like this is how you thrive in a stressful context And I would say that modern life is an inherently stressful context for pretty much all of us. And so, yeah, I just, I feel really grateful to be able to be a steward of these plants in this way. And like, sometimes I sort of see myself as this empty channel and that's actually in the, in tea ceremony, when you are first... They say, introducing the hot water to the tea, which, and and then you're waking up the tea and the tea has a plant consciousness as well. The idea is that you empty out completely and that you are just this, you know, miracle manifestation of spontaneous possibility that's bringing together this hot water and this tea to activate them and then to serve it into other people's bodies so that they can awaken and have the experience that whatever experience they're going to have with, with the tea. And that can be true about anything. You know, in any moment we can empty ourselves out and just see the miracle that it is you and I are talking right now and that, you know, you're listening to this right now and that we're just sort of in this whole broad energetic context and we're all acting out our perfect parts in that context and plants have their part in shaping and informing and you know, being a part of the human experience. And, you know, with the example of tea, like empires have risen and falled over this one plant. You know, you can see like the, the whole of humanity kind of growing with this one particular plant, Camellia sinensis. And it's a hope of mine that I can be a steward for these plants and the plants that I am, you know, in a way, yeah, taking responsibility and taking stewardship of their relationship with the human experience and so i you know, i hope that the way that these plants can impact our energy and therefore our decisions our moods our actions in the world you know energy is the base of everything it's the it you know it's one step above the physical it's more subtle but it still infuses absolutely everything and so the quality of our energy impacts absolutely everything in our lives and so getting to be a steward of these plants, which can have an impact on on energy and therefore culture as a whole is something I feel very blessed to do.
0: Wow, when you spoke about emptying yourself out to be a vessel of infinite possibility, I just imagined doing that in cacao ceremony, doing that every time I record a podcast, getting out of the way, you know, so that whatever is meant to be shared comes through. Every time I post on social media, And I remember being at Kripalu at a retreat, and there was this beautiful, beautiful, sound bowl healing. And this healer said that, remember, I'm not the one doing the healing. I am here to be a conduit for the medicine of the vibrations. And my job is to get out of the way of what's meant to happen between you and this experience. And you just brought it so alive in me. Thank you for that.
1: Mm. Amazing. And I I really appreciate the way that you took that one ceremonial moment and then expanded it out into all these potentials and opportunities.
0: So uh, speaking of opportunities, the social media one, (laughs) last time we spoke, you shared that social media has played a huge role in Rasa's growth. So I would love to hear both your personal relationship perspective, what was revealed to you when you were away from social media and what pulled you back in and also how do you manage it as a leader of a company you know i know that you don't deal with a lot of the day to day tasks yet you still tap into the energy of it and set some of the tone there
1: yeah so i i pulled away because i realized that the way i was engaging with it was not serving me and it was like really just scattering my energy in a lot of different places. And I think that this is probably from an energetic perspective and the ways that we're cultivating our energy, this is maybe the most important aspect to just keep an eye on and keep yourself really honed on because you're splitting and transitioning your consciousness across often many different things. And it's also very rapid, you know, and sort of like, you know, we're skimming through so many different, you know, posts and so many different comments. And, you know, it's all this kind of short form content consumption, which I remember I, like, I started to get scared when I had this dream that felt like it existed in Instagram. It was like, I was like going into people's stories and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Let's kind of pull back here. And there was also, you know, I'm really cultivating this practice of tuning into the quality of my energy, being intimate with my energy state, which helps me cultivate energy intelligence, which helps me take that next step into energy integrity. And so for me to have energy integrity at that time, I needed to step away from social media completely. So I deleted everything. I stepped out for, I don't know, like two months or something like that. And while I was there, one of the things that I did notice was that even in just those first couple of days, it was like more consciousness- Like it was like almost like fragments of consciousness were returning to me because in a way I, at least the way that I was engaging with it, I was almost like it was like I was leaving little parts of myself around the internet, like little bits of my attention instead of consciously coming back and being like, okay, I just did all of this stuff on social media. I interacted with maybe 50 people just now. You know, if I went to a party with 50 people, I'd probably come back and have to ground a little bit. But we don't really think about it in that in that context, and so I did notice there was sort of a an empowering and a condensing and a potentizing of my energy, and I didn't miss it until I started to come back a little bit, and then I was like, oh, look at all I've I've missed out on, and one of the things that I, I came back for is that there's a spiritual teacher that I study with who has some content in a Facebook group, and so I was like, all right, well, if that's the best place to find your content. And I really want to be cultivating more connection and more attention here, then I'm going to go ahead and, and get back on. And then I would, you know, see a post here and there and, you know, that sort of thing. And then I would wonder about Rasa's Instagram and feel like I was a little bit disconnected from our community. And, and then I would log in just through the website instead of through the app, which is a way inferior experience dramatically inferior. So it, like I think it's actually designed to frustrate you. So you download the app is my guess. And so I started to notice a little bit like, Oh, I've missed some events. I've missed some, some different things. But one of the things that I noted is that I was also like, I had stopped, I had stopped producing. I had stopped putting myself out there for a couple of years in part, in a large part, because I've seen so much divisiveness in the social media context as things get increasingly politicized, and I just saw so much rigidity in the perspective. And it felt like, you know, especially around COVID and everything, and like, if you, you know, just as like a dramatic example, but very real example, you know, if I had a friend who was unsure about whether they were going to get the vaccine or not, then they're like, you're a Trump supporter. And I'm like, my friend's not a Trump supporter. Wait, like, how did you just draw that line? You know, like, she's unsure for personal health reasons that are pretty valid. And I know them pretty intimately. And so, you know, it just seemed like there was more and more of that and more, you know, fundamentally, like everybody falling in line with a certain line of propaganda and, you know, like, and not actually thinking and not actually feeling like people could be really free and actually be themselves in this social media context. And I was just like, wow, this doesn't feel like a place that's safe to express for me and, and for me to be my full self. And, of course, like I would, I want to be in a context where it's just like, I don't care what people think. I'm just going to put myself out there. But the reality is that there's also a lot of energy spent in that context of like, Oh, this person misinterpreted this thing I said, and now I have to correct it or I don't correct it, but then I'm still kind of holding on their projection and that's kind of on me. And, you know, there's just all this stuff that can kind of go on there. And I didn't feel like I had the, the energetic bandwidth to be able to navigate that. And so came off. And then as I've come back on, I realized that if I was going to be on, there's actually like I needed to produce. I needed to be myself. Like I needed to put myself out there because otherwise I was just consuming. And that also was kind of causing some like literal indigestion, like energetic indigestion, where I was just taking in what other people were saying. And then I wasn't kind of digesting and spitting out whatever it was that I think in that context. And so I've been just sharing more of my experience. And I'm, as I was talking about earlier, like transparency, I think is actually an energy cultivating practice. It's a way of you put yourself out there, but then you're expressed and then more energy comes in, in a certain way. It's like you've been yourself. And so there's a little bit of almost like an energetic reward where there's like, Oh, now there's a little bit more of yourself to be. And so I've been putting myself out there more and just, you know, being really vulnerable about what it means to be a business owner and, you know, all the, the ride that that's been, I don't have a ton of time. Like I think it could be useful for me to use it as a journal and like do it almost daily, but I just don't really have time for that. And I I really, I think about the content creators out there and I'm like, wow, this is, it's a job. (laughs) It is definitely a job. And then I'm staying away from Anything hot button because I just I'm sort of choosing how consciously choosing how I'm
0: navigating. What What do you mean by hot button?
1: Like not posting about you know the vaccine or you know anything that kind of falls into this like current
0: line of something can, that can create division.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like there there are certain I'm sure I could map it out and it would be interesting to see it visually, but like politics you know, I'm just like not, not having it at all right now. And it is unfortunately
0: that unfortunate that many things have become politicized. It's a very interesting experience. And I totally hear what you're saying about, you know, when we put ourselves out there, people are going to misinterpret certain things. And I totally hear what you're saying. And it would be interesting to see that map because it probably is ever expanding and people can turn anything into a political issue.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, I feel like it's in some ways, the death of thought and the death of, of critical thinking and the death of being ourselves. And, and in that, we lose a certain amount of variety and connection and all of that. So I, I you know, I really hear you on that. And I think in, in this context, you have to be a little extra judicious about how you're using your energy on social media, because there's just so many more things to hook it and so many more ways that we can kind of get pulled a little bit outside of ourselves, and I do think that sourcing from within is where we're going to find the greatest healing. And how we live our lives is the most important thing. And there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of virtue signaling out there, I think, in in this context as well, where people are like, "Oh, well, if I tell you you're bad, then I don't have to do my own work," you know, in, in a certain way. Um, Or if I tell you you're bad, then I've done my job to make the world a little bit of a better place. And I agree that, you know, if you look at, for example, Brene Brown's work on shame, and she's very devoutly anti-racist and does a lot of anti-racist work in the context of her podcast and her content. And I never experience it in the context of shame because she knows how ineffective that is at actually driving change. And I'll also hold that, you know, I really understand that many black people and many BIPOC are also fucking fed up, you know? And so like, they're, they're expressing a a right, righteous amount of anger. And I completely understand that. And I think where I'm actually getting a little bit more caught up is I see a lot of white folk who are like out there policing and just like, okay, guys, can you please just go do your own work, please? (laughs) And like, there are better ways to, to contribute to society. So I've been much more judicious in how I'm engaging with it and just, you know, not scrolling like I was and that sort of thing. Like if I find myself scrolling, I'm like, okay, let's go pick up a book because, you know, or I really ask myself, like, what is it that I'm looking for right now? Like, what is it often I'm looking for some kind of connection or some kind of like hope or possibility. And so if I can just unplug from that moment and be like, okay, what's going to give me that? All right, let's sit for a couple of minutes, do a few rounds of mantra, do, you know, read a book, go snuggle with my husband, go snuggle with my kids, get my feet on the earth. And I think, you know, actually in, I haven't quite talked about this in this context, but as I was talking earlier, I was actually thinking that having some way of like gathering my energy after getting off my phone. And after getting off social media, having some just, you know, even it's just one hand on the heart, one hand on the belly and feeling my energy kind of all collect back in my body is a ritual that I'm going to incorporate after social media use. Thanks to you.
0: Ooh, that sounds beautiful. I mean, I'm writing it down here, learning from you and happy to hear that it somehow came through me as well to you. Wow. That's the regenerative circle of community. And, you know, one more thing I feel called to share is I really believe that we all have different ways that we can express and bring into the world our highest impact. And it's not going to look like checking the boxes that people might expect from us. It might piss some people off in the short term, but in order to stay in integrity to our soul contract, why we came here, what we came here to bring forth. I see it as just part of the path and I'm just really bowing down and inspired by your commitment to being a vessel for plant consciousness to reach as many people as possible and making it delicious and making it a ritual and always hearing about your tea ceremony context for things always deepens my understanding of your reverence for herbs. So thank you, Lupa, for doing what you do for this transparent conversation. And before we wrap up, is there anything that you feel called to share that I didn't ask you about? Well,
1: I mean, just on a housekeeping front, we have a discount code uh, funded by Source for fifteen percent off um, for anybody who's listening today. So that's one that I just sometimes I forget to to say those things. So I'm trying to remember now. And yeah, we hope that when when we start the crowdfunding, that some of you guys will join and become owners of Rasa.
0: That sounds incredible. And also, I know that you have a new quiz for people to determine which Rasa is for them. Where can people find that?
1: That will be on our website at wearerasa.com. And it's super fun. We put a lot of fun into it. And Rasa is designed for most people most of the time and safe for pretty much everyone. But, you know, different people have different things that they need and want. And so this is a quiz that we have gotten a lot of great feedback on that it really works in terms of helping people find a good place to start and then there's always our our taster pack as well to try the variety
0: yes that's a great place to start thank you so much lopa i'm gonna go rebrew my chill tonic i love how many cacao notes it has and it's mm-hmm. just so grateful for you hope you have a fabulous weekend and thank you everyone for tuning in thanks ksenia If you're moved by what was shared in this episode and not sure how to take action, start by writing down what moved you. When we notice abundance in all shapes and forms and honor it, it grows. And if you're called to share the podcast with someone who you know is ready to receive it, follow that. Find all episodes, show notes, and current offerings on fundedbysource.com. Subscribe to Funded by Source on Apple Podcasts. Leave a rating and a review and take one deep breath into the knowing that's already within you.